morning. Yeah, I was a little quiet. Some of the kids are sleepy. Good morning again. There we go. That's better. All right. We fed you donuts so you could yell at me this morning. Well, it's good to be with you. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here uh, at the Parks Church, and um, this is uh, no doubt uh, one of our favorite weekends of the year, um, and uh, so grateful that you're with us. Um, uh, I want to just say thank you, parents, um, who have lended us uh, your students to be able to spend this weekend with them. Thank you for trusting us with them and just allowing them to be a part of this. Thank you for making this weekend a priority. Uh, we, we recognize there's so many things that vie for our attention, uh, vie for our schedules, and so carving this weekend out, can, uh, we, you know, we understand it can be hard, um, but we're so thankful that you did, and I, I trust and believe uh, that um, uh, what God has done here, you'll see the fruit of that, and um, you'll just, you'll, you will be blessed um, by uh, this weekend that your students were able to spend with us. I also want to just thank you for your patience. If you're in the back row and uh, struggling back there, we thank you for uh, just allowing us, and uh, you know, we try to get as many people in here as we can, and so just thank you for uh, your patience sitting on those cold, hard plastic chairs with no cushions. So um, I understand. That's why we had you stand longer this morning, so you wouldn't have to be sit seated as, as, as often. Um, and uh, I promise um, I um, understand fully that the old adage of your mind and heart and soul can only take what your seat can endure. And so um, I get that. Um, I do want to take just a moment <clears throat> to say thank you, especially to our leaders who um, served this weekend. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of you know that I uh, returned from Israel and went straight from Israel and jet lag into Disciple Now weekend. And so uh, with, with my absence, that uh, meant, you know, I did, I, we hosted a group of eighth grade girls. Where are my girls at that we had? There we go, right here, front and center. Good job. Um, they, they followed instructions. But uh, um, th these guys, this team that we have serving in our church is an unbelievable team. And so um, first, I want to just ask ask if you're one of our college leaders would you just stand up so these parents can give thanks for you stand up college leaders come on all right stay, no stay standing stay standing stay standing stay standing all right so if, if you're a if you're a Melissa alumni um, keep standing everybody else sit down all right this is a really special group in my heart people um, I just love these kids who um, don't think it's too cool for school to come back to their hometown and pour into this next generation that is coming up behind them. So I just wanted to especially acknowledge you guys and thank you so much for your investment in uh, your friends. All right, y'all can be seated. And then um, I also want to thank our student team. Uh, a lot of you may not know this, but here at the Parks Church, um, we don't have a, uh, you know, uh, I just thought of the, the TV show Designated Survivor. We don't have a designated survivor youth pastor uh, that's just one individual, but we have a team of ministry, and every ministry that we, we engage in, we have a team of people that really lead those things, and um, that's just our model here at the Parks Church. And so our team is an amazing team, though, and these people, uh, they have other jobs. They, they, they are busy people, 
and yet they dedicate a tremendous amount of time pouring in and um, developing this weekend. This is kind of like the Academy Awards. Tomorrow they'll begin working on next year's D-Now. Um, and uh, I'm saying that a little bit jokingly. We'll give them at least two days rest because there's no school. But on, on Thursday, they're going to be back at it. Um, and so our student team is Rusty and Whitney Cox. Where are you guys at? Stand up when I call your name. All right, Rusty and Whitney, they're at the back. All right. Heath and Stacy Gallimore. Heath, Heath went so hard this weekend that he's at home with a fever because he just, you know, he gave, he laid his life down uh, for these students um, following the model of Christ. Uh, and Brock Duffield and Leanne Richardson, where are you guys at? There's Leanne. Thank you. All right. So a few of those, our, our, our student leaders are actually uh, cleaning up all of the stuff in the other room and all our silent auctions. So you, if you see those folks, please uh, give them thanks. Then uh, finally, our, uh, our team, um, you know, our staff team, uh, Kyle and Matt um, and Caitlin Martin, those three guys, uh, two guys and a lady, they are awesome people and I love serving the kingdom with them. So give them a, a thanks to Kyle and Matt and Caitlin. So, I just wanted to say thank you. Um, being able to worship with these students these last weekend, this morning, gathering together, is just, uh, it brings so much joy uh, to my heart. Um, and, uh, you know, Melissa is a place, we planted this church in 2014. Um, for many reasons, but one of the reasons that we trust that God called us here is for this generation of students that we could pour into their lives and that we could see God um, raise the dead to life and bring revival uh, to our community. So thank you for that. And I do want to echo what Kyle said, students. We're going to, open, we're going to get into Philippians 3 in just a moment, but um, wherever you are in your life, some of you uh, are a part of other churches, and we're so thankful that you're here this weekend, but here's what you do. You need to go back to your church where that you attend with your family on a regular basis, and you need to pour in and take the life that you gained from this weekend and pour it out uh, in service to your, your friends and maybe those that weren't here with us in your school. Um, if, you're part, uh, if you're here this morning and you have a church family that you're a part of, we want you to just invest, be fully invested in that church. Make Sunday mornings in that church a regular commitment. Don't miss. If, however, you don't have a place where you have a, 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 to regularly gather, um, don't make just Disciple Now weekend and maybe a few other weekends of the year where you gather as a family to worship Jesus. I pray that you would uh, find a church home that you can uh, connect with deeply. And uh, we would, if, if you don't have that, we would love nothing more. I'd love an opportunity just to speak with you about that um, and help you get connected uh, here on a regular basis with our church family. So with that, let's turn to Philippians chapter 3. And Pastor Kyle taught our students, parents, he taught last night uh, from Colossians 1 on this idea of Jesus is greater. And I just want to continue to sort of pick up that theme that Jesus is greater than ourselves, he said. He's greater than our fears. He's greater than our feelings, greater than our sin. It was a great word and something that we all need to remember no matter where we are in our life, whether where we are in our walk with Christ, whether you are, have been following and walking with Jesus for many years or perhaps like some here in this room, last night was the first time that you really believe that is true, that Jesus was greater than your sin and you put your faith and hope in him. You'll need to remember that over and over again because as Pastor Kyle said last night, it's a constant battle. We have to continually recognize that is true. 
But this morning, I want to just continue. I want to show what it means now for those of us that are Christians, that have put our faith in Christ. What does it mean to live our lives as a Christian, to follow Christ? And I want to, in, in order to do that, I want to look at Paul's testimony that, that Drew read for us from Philippians chapter 3. He begins in verse 7. He says, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I counted everything as loss, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I just want to focus on those two words, surpassing worth. See, Paul recognized that there was an exchange to be made. You know, every single day in our life, there is this opportunity that we, we sort of make an exchange. We, we make decisions, and usually a decision involves saying yes to something or saying no to something, saying yes to ourselves, saying no to ourselves. There's always this back and forth. There's an exchange that takes place. And Paul says that whatever thing he had, anything in his life that preceded his relationship with Christ, anything other than knowing Jesus Christ as Lord, he counted it all as worthless. And why? Because Jesus had surpassing worth. He was most valuable. He was the most valuable thing in Paul's life. And if you're wondering, well, what were these things that Paul maybe thought, kind of what was this exchange? Did he trade money? Did he trade whatever? I'm going to read for you. I'm going to go backwards from verse 7. Just read a couple verses ahead in verse 5 and 6. Paul describes who he was. And he says, if anyone else thinks that he has reason for confidence in the flesh, meaning if there's anything, anyone that could say to God, God, I have this figured out just on my own. I don't need Jesus in order for, to, for us to have a relationship. If there is anyone that could say that, Paul is saying, it was me, and here's why. Verse 5, he picks up. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Now that sounds a little foreign to us, but essentially Paul was one of the leaders of the Jewish religion. He was the, known often as a Pharisee. He had it all together. He was born in the right family. He had the right heritage, the right lineage. He was passionate for God's word. He was, if you wanted to find somebody, and often we use this word, somebody might say to you, I'm not very religious. Paul would have said, I'm very religious. I have got it all together. Everything that God has told me to do, has said to do in his law, Old Testament law, I've done it. And I've done it with more perfection, with more passion, with more zeal than any of you. Here's perhaps a modern-day translation for what Paul would have said. If Paul were perhaps living in North Texas and he was writing this letter to the Philippian church, he might say something like this. You think you're a Christian? You think you have a right relationship with God? Let me tell you why I have more. I was born into a Christian family. I was born into a family whose founding members were the founding members of First Baptist Church of Texas. From the family who defended the Alamo, I founded the Republican Party. I'm financially independent. If he was a student, I'm a straight-A student. Or if he was a parent, I've got straight-A students. They're all on the honor roll. 
My dad tells me I'm a scholarship athlete, or I am. I'm raising scholarship athletes. I was volunteer of the year last year. I'm class president. I'm verified on both Twitter and Instagram. And my likes far outweigh all of your posts forever and ever. Amen. That's what Paul might say today. But then in verse 7 he says, I counted all of that as loss, as rubbish, as worthless, as insignificant, as meaning absolutely zero for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. Surpassing worth. There's nothing more valuable in Paul's life, in our lives, than knowing Jesus. Christians, as we look at our lives, and when I say Christians, I'm talking to you who have professed your faith and have said that Jesus is greater than all things. If you're a guest here and you don't know that to be true, listen up in just a moment. But for, for right now, I'm speaking to those of us who claim the name of Christ. As we evaluate our lives, as we think about it, and we proclaimed last night, as Pastor Kyle said, it's really easy and it's very common. If I went down the list, I would say, is Jesus greater? Is Jesus greater? And all of you would say yes and yes and yes. Of course he is. Who could be greater than Jesus? But let's look at the value system, the exchange that you make. How many of that silly list of things that I read that are insignificant, that when your life is over will turn to dust if they don't turn to dust before then. How many of those things would you say your life says that's where you find your surpassing worth? Or do you find your surpassing worth, your value in Christ alone? Paul would exhort us and challenge us and say, whatever I gain, whatever I had, it was loss for the sake of knowing Christ. Jesus, brothers and sisters, is more valuable than your family. Jesus talked about this in Luke where he says, if you'd come after me, you may have to hate your mother and father, your brother and sister. That's my, what you, the relationship would have to look that different because I'm greater than your family. Paul was an Israelite of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. That means he, was, he had it all together. He was a first-generation Texan. He wasn't, but that's our, that's our context. He was born into the right family. And he said to his family, Jesus is greater. There's a local pastor. His name is Afshin Ziafat. He was born in Iran. Iranian family. Muslim family. His family immigrated here to the United States. And as a teenager, God began to work in his heart as he attended a school and sat next to a Christian friend and they began to have some dialogue about who Jesus was. As Sheen tells the story that he continued to have this conversation, he ended up getting a Bible. This friend gave him a Bible and he would go home at night and he would get under the covers and he'd open up the Bible and he'd read it in secret and in hiding because he could not, he was not allowed to read the Bible. 
He knew that his family would throw the Bible out and there could be disastrous things that could happen to him if he was found reading the Bible. But God continued to work in his life, and I'm shortening up his story a little bit. But God continued, he ended up coming actually to a, something just like Disciple Now. Spent a weekend with some of his peers and some students. And through that, he heard the gospel of Jesus. And he came home from that weekend as a Christian, professing his faith in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And for many months, he continued to get underneath his covers at, late at night after everyone was asleep and read his Bible and get to know Jesus more and more. But there came a time when his father found out, caught him reading his Bible. He said, what are you doing? And he had to tell his dad. He said, Dad, I'm a Christian. And his dad said, no, you're not. He said, yes, I am. And as a teenager, he was disowned by his family. Disowned. He said, you're not my son any longer. Because Jesus was greater. The surpassing worth of knowing Jesus meant everything to him. You may have to sometimes, your family, very often, your heritage, your lineage will get in the way. You have to decide that Jesus is greater. Parents, I can just tell you that I've had conversations with students over the last four years that we've been in this community. And I've heard from students that have said, I would really like to do this or that. But mom and dad would rather me go here. And I'm not talking about another church. I'm talking about other activities, other schedules that trump everything that they would desire to have to be a part of. Their schedules are so full, so packed out with things that will fade to dust. And so students, you might have to be bold and parents be mad at me. I'm sorry, I love you. But I love Jesus and I love these kids and what their hearts and their souls are more important to me. You may have to say, Mom and Dad, no. I quit. Because I want to be with the people of Jesus. I want to grow and I want to know Jesus more. I want to spend time with my faith family. And brothers and sisters, moms and dads, come on. We want to love you into that too. Jesus is more valuable than our families. Jesus is more valuable than our social status. You know, the Pharisees, they revered understanding the law. They would sit, I mentioned I was in Israel and I sat on the southern steps of the, the Temple Mount where the, the religious leaders would sit on these steps and they would debate and have conversations about the law and what did it mean when God said this or that? What does that look like to follow God in this way or that? And Paul says, I, I was the leader of them all. My status was great. I was revered. Stephen, one of the great saints, the only time that it's recorded in Scripture that Jesus stood up from his throne in heaven was at the stoning of Stephen to receive Stephen's soul to himself because Stephen testified to who Jesus was in the midst of facing death. So Paul, at, St at Stephen's stoning, He's the one that holds the cloaks. He's the guy that's so powerful and so revered that he just gets to stand to the side and say, yep, stone him, put him to death. Just sort of nod. He doesn't even have to get his hands dirty. That's how powerful he is. He just gets to tell the minions, hey, take that one out. Paul 
was revered, had the highest of social standings. And he says, I let it all go. I would sell it all. I would, it was all rubbish, worthless to me for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. In our culture, we have rarely yet endured that type of social ostracizing, the persecution. One of the reasons I love these college students coming back and pouring into this next generation is because on their campuses, they're beginning to experience what it looks like to be told the truth that you believe. You must be silly. You must be dumb. You must not have read enough. On and on it goes. They're hearing these messages. Here at home, students, you don't often get persecuted for claiming the name of Christ. Your social status is not often put down. But to stand up for the things of Christ, to live your life in what the ways that He would call you to live, that will cost you something. It will cost you. Would you count it as loss? Would you just say, it's, I'll lose it all for the worth of knowing Christ? To love someone as Christ first loved me, even though everyone in the circle says we need to be kind of picking up on this guy and messing with them and kind of putting them aside. To consider others greater than yourself. And so to be in a social setting where you don't put yourself on the pedestal as the leader, as the authority. You're not trying to bring all of the attention and everything to yourself, but to say, no, all of these other people are greater than I am. To consider others greater that's going to probably cost you something. To live out this idea, the truth that Jesus is greater, to love as Christ would call us to love, that will cost you something. And we have to say that Jesus is more valuable than whatever social status and standing I might attain. Have you said, perhaps have you ever been in a situation where you knew you needed to stand up and say, friend, that is not what we should do. That is not the way that we should lead our lives. That's not the way that we should treat this individual. Have you had to do that yet? You will. Have you had to defend the truth of Christ? That you're not who you are because of how great you are, but because of how great your Savior is, the Lord Jesus Christ? You will. And we have to be willing to say that our, wherever we are in the world, a Hebrew of Hebrews, the greatest in the social circle, it's all worthless for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Jesus is more valuable than our social status. He's also more valuable than all of our accomplishments. Paul could say that he was someone who had perfectly fulfilled the law. He had done everything right. Everything. That's why he's Paul, by the way. That's why a third of the New Testament is written by him because he knew God's word. He knew God. He had a relationship. He, had, he, he was it. Next to Jesus, there's the, then after Jesus, it's Paul. And Paul could say, I had done it all. I had accomplished everything there is to accomplish. But he considered that worthless. He was righteous under the law. He had studied the law meticulously. I don't know about you, but I don't think that there's anyone in this room that would say that their accomplishments before God would stack up into a situation that I'm good. I got it figured out. You know, I've done this. I've done that. I've accomplished this. I've accomplished that. Speaking to our students, I've got the right grades. I'm on the right teams. 
I've done whatever it is. I, I'm in the right group. I'm in the right club. I've accomplished everything that there is to accomplish. So I'm good. I don't need God. I don't need Jesus. I don't need any of that stuff because I figured it out all on my own. Paul essentially says, if there was ever someone who could have done that, it was me. And I'm just going to testify that I am as far from that as anyone could be. Paul would later say, in spite of that being true, that he was the chief among sinners. All of it was, he could have done, he, he was it. And yet he said, no, it's all worthless. I lay that all down for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. Verse 8, Paul continues speaking of Jesus for his sake. I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. Because Jesus was of surpassing value, he was the greatest, there was nothing more for him other than Jesus, he could say, I've given it all up and it's all rubbish so that I can have Christ. Everything was rubbish. And here's the great thing about what Paul said. He was right. All of those accomplishments, all of the social status, being born into the right family, do you know what that gained Paul in God's economy? Absolutely nothing. It was worthless. There was nothing of value in that because Jesus is the only one who will last. Our relationship our hope, our faith in Christ alone is the only thing that will last into eternity. So whatever it was that Paul was stacking up for himself is saying, hey, I had it all figured out. The reason that he could say that I've suffered the loss of all things is because they were trash. And again, I don't want to belittle all of your accomplishments, all of the achievements that you've had in your life, but guess what, friends? They will not last. Every trophy on the wall will turn to dust. Every one of them. I don't care what they are. I don't care how much they cost. I don't care how much time was invested in them. They will turn to dust. But Jesus and your soul, secured by your faith in Jesus, in Christ alone, can last into eternity. Why would we find our value, our hope? Why would we spend our time on these things that are of so little value? We need to remember the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Paul continues in verse 9. He says, And being found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from, from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So he says, for this sake, I've, I've gotten rid of all of these things so that I could have Christ and I could be found in him. Not that I'd find my righteousness or my holiness or my relationship with God. It wouldn't be found in anything else in this world, but it'll only be found in Christ alone. And here is the good news. Friends, if you don't know Christ, 
If you don't know the surpassing worth of knowing Christ this morning, this is what I want you to hear. That Jesus, or Paul would say that all of that was lost because he wanted to be found in him and he would not want a righteousness or a holiness or a right standing before God that could be accomplished on his own. The only one that would be of value would be a righteousness that came from Christ. And do you know how he got that righteousness? How he received that type of righteousness? It wasn't based on anything that he did. It wasn't based on his family status. It wasn't based on his social status. It wasn't based on the zeal and the passion that he had for God's word. He received it as a gift, a free gift of God's grace and mercy. Paul would write in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he would say, He made him, that's Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, the perfect one, to be sin for us, so that in him, so that in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. He made Jesus, who was perfect, without sin, did it all right, to become sin, and nailed to a cross, where he would lay down his life willingly, so that three days later he could take up his life again, and proclaim victory over sin and death, so that those who would put their hope like Paul would in Christ, and in Him alone, and not anything else in this world, they could say, I have been given the gift of righteousness. I am righteous before God because of what Jesus did. If you don't know Jesus this morning, my plea with you this morning, my, my prayer, what, what our team has been praying as we prepared to gather in this particular service this morning, is just once again to lay Jesus out before you and say, He laid down His life the perfect sinless life so that he could give you his righteousness. A righteousness that will not perish. A righteousness that will not turn to dust. A relationship that will last into eternity that's greater than all of the other things that you've put your hopes and dreams in. The only one that will last forever. That is what Jesus came to do. And that's what Paul says that I would let go of everything in my life for the surpassing worth of being found in him, not trying to get a righteousness from myself, but finding it in Christ. Righteousness from God that depends on faith. Righteousness from God that depends on faith. So I would just ask you this morning, if you don't know the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, would you believe this morning? Would you have faith to say, I believe the righteousness that comes from Christ and His finished work on the cross and resurrection from the dead, that is the faith that will secure my life into eternity and I would consider everything else as worthless. Would you believe that this morning? And if you would believe that, new Christians who raised your hand last night and this morning, if you believe that Jesus is greater and that He is the most valuable thing in your life, would you live out that faith as we separate and we go all over, the, all over this city, all over this community? Would we believe that and live that out? Moms and dads, would you believe and have enough faith 
to say that all of the accomplishments, all of the trophies, all of the time, they're not near as valuable to me as knowing Jesus and my kids knowing Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. This is a private conversation usually, but some of you have learned. Unfortunately, my sons don't like it, but I share some of these things publicly, periodically. Here's what I tell my sons. I'm just going to tell you what I say as a dad, and I am not the perfect father. They will tell you that too. So you come after service, you talk to them, you can get all the trash. But here's my prayer for my sons. Dad loves Jesus. Dad loves my mom. Dad loves Christ's church. The end. That's it. That's everything that I hang my life on. I love Jesus. I love my wife as best as this sinful body will allow me to do. And I love Christ's church. Do I love the Parks Church? For sure. But I love Christ's church. The church. If we can do that, and our value system can live up to that, can be balanced against those things, that's all we ever need. Let me pray and ask Jesus to make that true in our hearts. Lord Jesus, I thank you again for who you are in my life. I am the chief among sinners, as Paul would say. I do not have it all figured out. I don't have the answers. I bring nothing. And yet, you love me. And so I pray that you would help me to ensure, to inspect my own heart and life to see is there anything in my life that I'm holding on to that my friends, my brothers and sisters, my own family could look and say, you know what, Ryan, you're kind of holding that a little bit above Jesus. I don't know if he's of surpassing worth, meaning everything to you. So, so God, examine my heart and reveal to me my sin, my, those areas where I've drifted away from you. And I pray, I pray for these dear loved ones in this room this morning that you would remind us, affirm for us, perhaps reveal for the very first time that Jesus is greater and is more valuable than anything this world could ever offer us. I plead with you, Lord Jesus, in your holy, precious, and mighty name that is powerful, would you send your Holy Spirit right now to speak that truth into our hearts, to shape us and to mold us more into your image so that as we go out from this place this morning and in a few days as these students return to their schools and we return into the workplace and to all the different directions that we're going to go, that this community would see a people that say that Jesus is greater. Jesus is worth everything. And we lay down all of the other things in our life that get in the way of us submitting our lives to you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your love. Undeserved love. 
And I pray that every soul in this room would just, just right now just feel your spirit speaking to them saying, I love you. I died for you. I gave you, I came so that you might have my righteousness. And I did what the Father demanded of me so that I could deliver you into his family. Would you let that be true today? Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for everything you've done this weekend, and we ask that you would continue to do more. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Every knee will bow, every eye will see. Thanks for listening to the Parks Church of Melissa podcast. We meet at 1030 Sunday mornings at Melissa Middle School, and we look forward to seeing you there soon. The Parks Church, for the city, about a person.